So to really know that if it's right is if the ball flies like a knuckleball and it's not getting a lot of rotation. So if you have a ball that rotates a lot, your speed's going to be up there because, again, that's how we're measuring it. But if you're throwing a knuckleball and it's got you got 10 meters per second speed, that's pretty good uh, to go through that. Because, again, if you're throwing that ball and it's rotating at a, at a pretty good clip, there's something going on with your hands, your chest is stopping, you're just kind of flipping that ball around uh, and kind of going through with a lot of spin uh, on the ball. Uh, which might be good from a pitcher's spin rate, but uh, from a, from throwing a throwing a medicine ball, you again, you, I always say you want to throw like a knuckleball, and if you can throw it, you know, ten meters per second to five kilos, you're 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 doing yourself pretty good. That was performance trainer David Donatucci speaking on the finer points of the medicine ball throw release in achieving the highest possible transfer to actual sport performance. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the free lap timing system, Gym Aware, KBox, 1080 Sprint, and the Speed Mat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The free lap timing system has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments allowing me to look at the 10-meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The KBox and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none, Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Hello and welcome to episode 123 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith. Thanks for being here, and if you listen to this show, you probably like sprinting and jumping. I know I do. Um, one of the things that I've grown into as a coach, I was a, a jumps coach, sprints coach in track and field. Uh, I did, did a little multi-event, so some throws, but not a ton. And as I moved into full-time strength and conditioning, you the cool thing about sports performance, strength and conditioning, whatever you want to call it, is that you have to really have a familiarity of a wide variety of sporting skills. Um, one thing I like that uh, David Weck has said, previous podcast guest, was his trinity of performance is swinging, throwing, and running. And, and we think of this in terms of the, these primal movements that we were meant to utilize as humans and are really built into our systems. And so I think that, well, obviously we talk a lot about running, which is cool. It's important. Uh, speed wins games, and it's a very important factor. Uh, haven't covered throwing a ton in this podcast but one thing that is really cool and you see in a lot of sports and is probably very um, under-addressed is, is swinging. Um, they're just the act of weight transfer from one foot to another to swing a baseball bat, a golf club, a tennis racket. Honestly, even looking at the way the mechanisms of javelin throw and, and is there's still this weight transfer swinging motion as uh, force passes through the hips and up to the shoulders. So uh, anyways, it's it's a skill that we don't talk nearly enough about, and I am completely beyond thrilled to bring you guys this episode today because David Donatucci, who is the owner of the Florida Institute of Performance, is probably the foremost, um, at least in terms of who I've ever talked to and heard of, expert in the world in swing biomechanics and related medicine ball training, um, exercises, biomechanics, scenarios, programs, and he rocks this episode. Dave is, is certainly well known for his work with high-level golfers, uh, but he has a totally diverse resume. He's been involved with lots of sports and athletes of all levels and types, and he's been using medicine ball training for decades and has honed in on essential biomechanical and, kine- and, and kinetic parameters that really make this form of training truly effective. If you're in the sports performance world, um, 
that's such a wide term, isn't it? I should say track and field world. Let's say you're you know in this into uh, speed and and you don't really deal with rotational athletes. This is still a great episode because just swinging and coiling is is an important part of what we do as humans. So you at least have something there. <laughs> uh, but but if you are a strength coach, you work with all athletes. You should definitely know about weight transfer in various forms of swinging and throwing and how to make your medicine ball training the best it can possibly be. So uh, just had a blast talking with David today. And one of the cool things, I, I forgot to mention this too, and I mentioned track, is David makes uh, use of shot put and discus references in his the way he programs his throws. So there's this, this collision of worlds that I always totally appreciate. Anyways, uh, that's enough of my little uh, spiel on the background of this, but... On the show today, we're going to get into some key components that bind rotational sport actions together. Uh, we're going to talk about the importance of the front blo- uh, leg block in swinging and how it's particularly important in golf. David's going to share his methods to get athletes into their front leg more in swinging motions when needed. He's going to talk about how to differentiate medicine ball training across different rotational sports for different needs, including launch angle. He's going to talk about medicine ball proper velocity and how you even get that, which he has a uh, device and invention that can get that and read that and be very effective in that manner. Uh, and then he's also going to talk about how to approach the rear leg and push leg in swinging and as well as throwing a medicine ball, amongst other awesome gems. So again, if you train athletes, this is a must listen and has been one honestly one of my favorite episodes, just because I train tennis and I just am constantly coming back to this episode. It is a classic, in my mind, a gold standard in medicine ball training. So hope you enjoy it. Let's get to episode 123 with David Donatucci. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Uh, thanks, Joel. Really appreciate it. Yeah, so it's definitely um, exciting for me. I I typically uh, go in the line of speed and, and vertical jump, which is awesome points. And actually, that's something that I know we're going to talk about today. But I haven't done an episode really on, on swinging and hitting and rotation uh, and so I'm excited to talk to you about this today. And for people who aren't familiar with you or your background, could you key us into where you've been in the sporting and sport performance industry and where you are now? Uh, sure, I will. Thanks. Uh, I uh, started my career, I guess, in Cleveland, Ohio, at the uh, Cleveland Hunting Foundation, uh, and what they classified at the time with their section of sports medicine. Uh, and during that time, I had the opportunity to work with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Cleveland Rockers, which was the NBA's uh, WNBA women's basketball team, uh, did some testing with the Browns, worked with a number of figure skaters uh, that were training locally there, and a couple of them Olympi- uh, actually competed in the Olympics. Uh, from there, I went to uh, IMG Academies uh, down in Bradenton, Florida, uh, and I was the director of the International Performance Institute, uh, where we really were a sports boarding school for baseball, basketball, golf, soccer, and tennis. Uh, had the opportunity of working with a number of NFL Combine players, Major League Baseball players, National League Hockey players, and then NBA basketball players. Really trained a lot of people uh, throughout their careers uh, down in down in Bradenton, which was a great, uh, great starting point. Uh, from there, I went took a job with the PGA of America, uh, where I was the director of fitness, uh, their first director of fitness with the PGA of America, where uh, rewrote a lot of the educational curriculum for the uh, PGA Apprentice Program. Uh, did some training out of their Fort St. Lucie facility there for a number of golfers, uh, and then decided in 2012 to start my own business, which I opened the Florida Institute of Performance, uh, which I've been to to this day, working with a number of golfers, baseball players, uh, figure skaters again, tennis players, a lot of rotational athletes uh, in the sport today. Oh, very cool, David. And so, yeah, I want to dig into that rotational uh, component here. All right, so, so first question, and really excited to ask you this. I know you've had a lot of experience with a lot of different athletes, and again, this being the first like show with a lot of rotational, really emphasis on rotational component to it and, and the training. So what are some key points of training ro- rotation in sports that require swinging and or hitting? So say golf or baseball, tennis, uh, what are like the main components that bind those together? And then maybe we can get into some differences. Yeah, the, the the main point to kind of bind them together, there's there's there is a separation of upper and lower half that that we really need to look at, and and a lot of it looks at from more of you know hip rotation versus upper torso rotation. Uh, we look at this from people refer to this as a kinematic sequence, you know, and how the body moves, how it rotates, and all those sequences are really similar, meaning that you start most people start initiate 
any type of rotation, whether it's a golf swing, a baseball swing, a tennis racket, uh, forehand or backhand swing, there's going to be some, you know, I'll call it a little bit of a linear motion with the, with the lower half. Uh, and then there's a rotation of the lower half, and almost that starts to slow. And then the upper torso starts to rotate after that. And then the hand, the, the implement then follows. Uh, and that's kind of where, and then that impact, it should be the highest velocity should be at that implement uh, to go through all those. So the sequence of, of golf, baseball, tennis, you know, on down rotational sports are really similar uh, with, within the figure skating. The only one that's a little bit of an oddball in the rotational aspect in there because a lot of both vertical and there's almost like a one non-implement, but the hands almost have to close into the body to get more of a rotational movement uh, to kind of go through, get a lot of their jumps in there. So, so again, the hip motion, uh, then followed by the torso motion, then followed by the arms and followed by the implement uh, is always a good sequence with, within there. And, and really from a training standpoint, I'm still looking at, you know, for me, it's hamstring strength being a, being a priority. Uh, hip stability, abdominal stability, and shoulder or scapular stability kind of being the main focus that kind of, kind of connects all, all of the rotational aspects in there. Yeah, training figure skaters must be a trip because, yeah, they operate on it totally. It's like they're like a spinning top, you know, versus <laughs> the other types Correct. of athletes who rotate. Correct, and, and it's interesting kind of looking at how they, you know, I'm, I'm not a big, you know, bicep curl type of guy in terms of a lot of sport because I always feel that it, it, it kind of, it's an, it's an add-on type of exercise i mean guys would like to have their bicep look good but in figure skating you actually need a lot of that pulling in strength uh to kind of hold your hands tight to your body so a lot of bicep and a lot of chest strength to kind of hold it in as you're going through the rotation and the jumps are a little different where you know we try to look at this from a from a vertical jump or looking at even a broad jump how you want to kind of throw your hands out there with a figure skate they almost want to pull them in tight as they go through their jumps so it's a little a little little has to change after they wrap my head around a few different motions with the figure skaters oh yeah right on i'm sure it's just yeah totally different world but really interesting too and so uh before we get into like training and vertical jump what are some things that are really different in the sports you, you work with some different rotational athletes i know a lot of golfers uh, what are like some key differences that you might uh that and i know we're going to talk about medicine ball training as we go on so this almost could be a yep. two-in-one if we want to talk about some med ball yep. training now that's totally cool uh, just because I, I know it helps to paint a picture. I mean, everyone throws med balls, but uh, well, most everyone does at least rotationally. But are there what are some key differences like golf versus base? Let's say just golf versus baseball. What are some mm -hmm. ways that those athletes are, are transferring their their momentum differently? Uh, and then how we might want to look at that for training? Yeah, the the, the biggest difference is say golf versus baseball. And I'll look at this more from a hitting standpoint is. A lot of baseball players are, are have a lot of uh, weight after the rotation on their back foot. So that, that lower leg rotation is, or, or back leg rotation is there's still a lot of called force into the ground or stability or body weight on that back side, on that back leg. Where in golf, it's almost coming completely up and onto the, the front side. So in terms of the motion where you still will have, you know, baseball players going to give you a little bit of a stride. They're going to plant that front side foot down. And then as they start to break or reverse the hips with that front side, they're going to put some weight back on that back leg and create a, an angle with the shoulders. And that's kind of where we get a lot of the launch angle terminology. Uh, so now we're kind of getting that upward swing uh, through the plane, through the bat plane, uh, of, of, of the, through the ball is, is really kind of the, the, the baseball swing motion. Uh, the golf swing motion, again, you have that same thing where you're going to face a little bit of a push force off that back leg. Uh, going to plant that front foot into the ground. From there, you're going to create a little bit more of a vertical motion through that front side. So a lot of downward force in, into that ground. Uh, and then you're going to kind of get that rotation where a lot of the body weight now is coming off that backside. And we're really posting up pretty good on that front side, uh, front leg motion. So looking at a lot of those types of things, we really kind of changed our feeling uh, with, with our medicine ball and our, any type of our rotational throws is where with a golfer, we may put a six-inch box underneath their front foot. So now when they kind of load up that backside, they're going to push through and almost feel like they're really pushing up and through that, that front leg so they are coming off that back leg. And, you know, again, the big problem with golfers is they, a lot of them like to hang back. So they're really kind of getting into a feeling of they're staying on their back like, like a baseball player where we want them to be forward. And the reverse happens in baseball is where if you get too much of a, that lateral transfer 
uh, to that front leg, that's when the head starts moving, and we have a you know really a, almost a missing of the ball because you you, you want to keep your head more still uh, on the baseball swing uh, as opposed to the golf swing. So th- th- those are really your you know kind of, again kind of your two main components, two main differences with the golf versus baseball on that. Yeah, I like that. I, yeah, one of the things I wasn't thinking about is the accuracy component, the position of the head, and I was just about to right. ask you about tennis too, which is like you know that's right in there. The accuracy is supreme, right? Like the ball's coming at you at well, I mean baseball too, but I'm sure tennis would operate. I mean, from my watching, it's it's more more of a flat footed like same thing. Like the head has to stay still, or not flat footed, but the the less of a tendency for the rear foot to to come off the ground. Yeah, and again, yeah, tennis is the one big thing that we change with tennis is we actually allow our players to almost go into like a forehand position. So, you know, there's learning this multiple different ways of kind of hitting a forehand and a backhand and depending upon how the coach wants to teach that athlete or how they position themselves in terms of where their feet are, whether they're stepping forward with that front foot or their back foot's back or however they go through and, and, and work the motion. Uh, so they may be more of an open stance or a closed stance. Uh, when they're doing their rotational throws and it's kind of the same thing where we're kind of getting that push uh, into a different motion and getting it more of a, I'll call it a hip rotation uh, as a, with, with very little bit of a, a linear motion with the hips. So with the, with the tennis, again, we're kind of getting that big push, getting a good rotation of, of the hips and allow the hands to, to, to follow into with the throws. Again, trying to, and I'll, I'll use the term a lot, emulate what they do with, with, their, with their club or the bat or the, or the racket as opposed to try and, you know, replicate it exactly the same way. So it's going to be a lot different with, with, the, with the medicine ball based on just on how they're going to hold it or how they put their hands uh, and go through that. So I really try and get more of the lower half or really the body, the, the torso and the, and the hip to work as if they're, as if they're swinging the, the implement as opposed to being exactly the same way they swing that, you know, especially from a golf or a baseball perspective. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, and that's something I think I, I work with tennis players, and I think about that a lot. I watch them out at the court and, and with the various movements that they're doing and how they step into different throws, and I think to myself, well, this tennis ball weighs a good deal more than their racket, and it's in both hands, you know, and so the idea of, especially when you know, like you just mentioned, you know these common, I guess you could call them attractors in the Franz Bosch world, like the, like the things that are similar between the rotation, but then the things that are different. You can really coach right. up that lower body. And I, something I forgot to mention, I like you said it was like, and one of my, one of my mentors, are, uh, Darian Barr, who's been on the show before, has mentioned this, like the body, the idea of the body passing along force in the transverse plane to from one right. joint to the other. And so it's like if you can get the lower body down and, and look at things there, um, then that's that's gold. Like that's that's a, a really strong component of where you can find improvements. Yeah, that's correct. And, and, and it's funny. One of the biggest one of the biggest problems that we have with a lot of our athletes is a single leg box jump or single leg vertical jump. Because the simple question they always have, especially a golfer or a baseball player, is what do I do with my arms? <laughs> you know, as opposed to getting that, you know, we refer to it as the cross crawl action or the opposing actions and the, and the opposing motions. I mean that's a ro- that's a rotational motion uh, that people don't realize when you're jumping off your right leg, your left arm should pull back and you should explode up onto the box, uh, and that should give you that movement. And that's again, that's kind of that cross crawling pattern uh, that we go through, which does it is very similar to uh, that rotational movement. It's the same thing as be throwing a throwing a medicine ball from right side to left side. It creates that same rotational that lateral movement pattern. David, you said something really interesting about the, the, the lead leg. I wanted to get this before I forgot, and I think it ties into the next question, and I really liked it, is the idea of you said putting the front leg on a block for golf because mm-hmm. that, that front leg, and that's an interesting thing all in and of itself too is the lead leg in, in swinging or hitting or rotating. or the Because the I think it's just so easy, especially in the if you're in the paradigm of just force production, just more force, more weight, push, push, push of just thinking about the back leg and the back leg pushing and those things. Um, could you talk a little bit about more about that vertical jump correlation into the rotational uh, hitting in golf? And then, yeah, uh, that, that, that front leg blocks on a really interesting. I'm curious how that all ties together. The, the really the, the front leg, cause, cause they, they tap the tie in together. So to kind of try and get this out there is, 
you, so in a, in a golfer perspective, in a baseball perspective, as you're kind of loading up that backside, everybody says you want to load on that backside. So it's going to be a little bit of a initial force in that from that will go back leg to the front side. But then there has to be almost, I'll call it a reversal of action. So now that front leg, that front foot needs to kind of almost plant in the ground, create a braking system and work in the opposite direction. So as my, I'll use this case, my, my right leg is starting to rotate or push to the left. Now my left leg has to now drive into the ground and almost create a reversal. And that's going to start driving to the right. Now that kind of, that creates the rotation. So you got two opposing forces kind of working within one another. And that's kind of where that front leg works as a braking mechanism. And it, and it really kind of now drives into it. And that's why you see a lot of even pitchers for that standpoint, that front lead foot, how it drops off the mound. Now you see a lot of guys kind of planting that front foot and that almost going in the opposite direction from the plate which then creates the velocity of the arm to kind of throw that ball in, into the catcher's mitt with, with a high rate. So unless the same thing that works within there from a, from a golf swing or a baseball swing, and now we have that almost that front heel push where we're working our hips in the opposite direction, and now that creates you to almost give you more of a, more of a acceleration uh, towards your target, uh, if you will, or over the fence in terms of a baseball standpoint. And the idea with the box is to kind of create that feeling, that, that, that perception of now I'm actually loading up on that front leg, I'm driving into the ground, and I'm lifting myself up off the ground and creating that vertical pressure point, which now gives you to, that, that person the idea of now I'm actually coming through. And I really want them to finish you know, on top of that box with their whole weight and their hips facing the wall or their target point. Uh, that they have in there so that that's really and it kind of works with a couple things we've done it with a band where you almost with a, a looped band you kind of put your front leg sex step it all the way in there and you wrap it up around your upper thigh and you're going to tie it to if you say i have this around my left leg i'm not going to tie a band around to my backside so it's going to cross over my left leg or my right leg it's left leg's going to be in it band cross over the front side of my left i'm going to hook it to an attachment and now that I have to actually push myself to the left to create that force against that resistance to move myself to the left and then allow that to rotate behind me. So, you know, a couple of different ways of getting people the feeling of how do I get into that front leg uh, situation where I can kind of create that force and really drive that action going forward. Oh, that's cool stuff. I, I know with the vertical jump too, like one of the things that I, I've thought of a lot in this last year is the, the correlation and causation. Like, was it correlation doesn't always equal causation like an improved vertical jump is like correlated to longer driving but it's like yep. like you said unless you could put that into the right context by how you're describing like it probably wouldn't be quite as effective like you know one thing just to improve vertical but unless you can can create the the stiffness and bracing and breaking effect through it right and actually i have a lot of guys who hit the ball really far they really don't jump very high. Uh, oh. So, that, yeah, there is a correlation, but it's again, it's the same thing as you have to be able to work that rotational component or that, I'll call it that change of direction very effectively. And I think that's more of that, that fast twitch component. I'll use the term of plyometric component where there is some sort of a, a action and then reaction uh, that needs that needs to be trained in there and then really trying to create that, that explosive motion uh, that that we have uh, w w within any type of swing. Cool. I'm glad you actually brought that up with those guys who could hit hard and not um, jump super high. Just because I think I saw a study on it somewhere. That's just where I'm coming from. And obviously, um, everybody who works with golf is going to say, "Oh yeah, let's get your vertical huge." Which I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, but it's just obviously just being mindful of the actual dynamics and specifics, and and then too just how specific skills are right like the guys who, who've been golfing forever but probably haven't played basketball or volleyball much and just don't have that skill right yeah exactly i mean it's something that still needs to be worked on i mean you can't just say oh i jump very high that means i should hit the ball very far right that doesn't always doesn't always work that way i mean it always that's what always frustrates a lot of the baseball players who think you know they're all big and strong and they, they can't hit a little white ball sitting there right in front of them so there's there's a little a little, lot of skill component that goes into that yeah, it, it reminds me a little bit of that. Um, there was that superstars show back in the '80s where they like all the athletes did all the different things, and golf was one of them. And I wish they'd bring that back. Like it'd just be fun to see how you know what skills cross over, what can you cross over, how is this? You know, if you're a baseball player, how's it showing up in your golf swing or whatever? So the stuff yeah. I'm in, I'd be interested in. I don't know if general America would be, but. <laughs> 
Anyways, uh, all right, cool. So yeah, let's dig into medicine ball training a little bit more. And I know you've touched on it already. Uh, but and one of the big things I'd like to get into is kind of like how do we? You mentioned launch angle, so maybe we can go there. But like, how do we? How do we? differentiate medicine ball training across a, a swath of different rotational sports so like i mean i think it's just common oh if you rotate if you golf or hit or whatever oh just do a hip throw you know and then leave it at that and i mean to some element maybe there's gonna be athletes who figure some things out just fine on their own there probably are a lot but at the same time that has nothing to do with launch angle and and then some of the other coaching points so uh can we just start with launch angle and and then maybe roll from there on medicine balls yeah, one one of the interesting things that that we've kind of I've, I've kind of changed over the course of my time is I call it I call it a med ball shot put throw. Basically, putting the ball at your shoulder and you're going to kind of create a rotation and you're going to kind of push the ball out in front of you, like, almost like the finishing of a shot put motion uh, without the, without all the spinning. Uh, and and one of the things that when I was working with a couple of the hitting coaches that are locally around here, they talked about where if we if we push the ball up a little bit higher, more of like a thirty to forty degree angle, and kind of aimed higher for that. That's going to simulate more of what we're trying to get in a baseball swing. You know, it kind of creates that that upward rotation, if you will. And looking at it from me, really the shot put throw from a from a body motion, body rotation, really can kind of replicate a lot of the movements that we have in rotational sports, whether it be in tennis, whether it be golf, whether it be baseball. You know, you can go down a line from 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 there, but that kind of creates a lot of that rotational, that reverse direction. And then kind of getting that shoulder line working, you know, back shoulder a little bit lower than front shoulder as you're coming through the, the, the hitting zone and kind of working in there and creating that upward, upward push uh, that we have in there. And, and that, that was one of probably one of the big changes that we look at from a launch angle standpoint. And it was funny because we, we had a little program where we were running here where we did some medicine ball drills, some other type of training applications. And then we had the guys go hit baseballs off the tee or, or some other type of stationary type of object that we had and we had a little hitting coach out there working with them and he had a struggling with one kid he brought him back did the medicine ball shot foot throw and said this is how you want to feel kid went back and like improved his bat speed like three to four miles an hour from replicating that type of motion so you know it's one of those things that you look at and you go wow that surprises that you know did it stick you know probably not all the time but that's just kind of that feeling of kind of getting that back shoulder a little bit lower and kind of pushing the ball higher uh, and going through that motion and the same thing from, you know, more of, I like what I classify as a discus throw, you know, from looking at this where my, I'm going to start my back to the wall, and then I'm going to kind of load up on my right side. I'm going to step my left leg to the wall. But as I'm stepping my left leg to the wall, I'm going to keep my chest face in the opposite direction of the wall that I'm throwing at. So now I'm going to create that separation or that feeling of separation that the athletes need to get for, in, in my opinion, to really kind of create more of that whip, more of that torque. Uh, and, and kind of looking at that and then trying to change that into, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that rotational, that lateral force uh, that they kind of grow. So you still have that loading on that back leg, you know, separation away from the wall and turning the chest away from the wall, stepping to the wall and then rotating that whole body and creating a big separation between your lower and your upper half uh, to create more of that whipping motion on, on that ball. And, you know, again, it's a lot of it depends on really from a sports standpoint, Golfers always try and say, "Look, you want to hit like, like you're, you want to throw this ball like you hit the four iron, so it'll kind of be like a low line drive uh, on there." Tennis is kind of the same way. I want to kind of keep that horizontal to the ground as much as possible. And baseball is really the only one from a hitting standpoint that I want to create more of an upward push uh, through the ball. You know, if I'm working with pitchers, I almost want to work on that downward angle uh, as to a lot of my throws that I'm going to kind of create. So I'm going to again kind of kind of create that separation. And then I'm going to kind of emulate a little bit more of the pitching motion where I may have them stand up in like a balanced pitching position uh, and kind of go through now a stride and then maybe into a shot put motion where they're going to kind of rotate, keep that ball tight uh, and then and then push that uh, and, and go through that motion where they're getting a little bit more of a rotation and planting that front foot and kind of feeling that little more explosion and, and again, creating more of a downward uh, pushing angle with the ball. So I think to me, it, it really... Uh, represents what sport that we're looking at, even with position within the sport, and how I want to kind of emulate those types of positions as we go through there. I, you know, I, I, to me, I, I'm biased. I really, I've been using medicine balls a long time, uh, and I really think that you know, one of the few implements is you can create a high rate of speed. You can look at a lot of different movements. You can look at a lot of different angles. Uh, you can create finish balance positions, and and you really can play with it and and, and make the and make the individual feel 
uh, like it's emulating that sport as best as best as possible uh, that you go through there. And and a lot of the things too is I'm going to release it. So I'm going to throw that ball, and I can create that feeling of hey, throw it as hard as you can, throw it as fast as you can, uh, whatever that whatever that might be as they're going through the motion. And and that really again that resonates a lot with a lot of people as they're going through that because they can kind of get that feeling of hey, this feels just like you know what the way I should be swinging. And most of the time it, it is. Yeah. First off, you have no idea how excited I am that you have track and field terms in your your training program. That's so cool. Uh, shot and discus throws. I I mean, yeah, that's where it's at. Um, so one of the things that I was going to bring up too as you're talking, well, also this, and this this is one of those things where the, you know the divide and compartmentalization of of you know our houses kind of can make this tough. Like you were just saying, this guy was doing hitting practice and goes out and does this throw. And then comes back and his bat speeds up three to four. And it's and like like you and I both know these are like these can be very temporary motor programs, right? Like you, it could it's gonna go away after a while. But but that's what you need to do to make it stick is to repeatedly put that in your you know your warm up. And so it just I just to, to me that shows the integration of our field. Like it should be that's how it should be. You know the where uh, so often it's just separate. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking about this study that I shoot. I remember this. I think back in college, and I think it maybe led people down i guess you could call it maybe a misdirection and honestly i wish i had the study in front of me but it was it was either pitchers or hitters and it measured you know they either did weightlifting or they did medicine ball training and the the weightlifting group had a better bat speed or, or pitch i don't do you remember if it was bad or pitch speed it was yeah, one of the two yeah well i know what you're talking about and, and yeah i don't i don't remember exactly which one it was yeah I, but as as you go through well i think of you know anatoly bondarchuk's work transfer training and how like i don't i wonder what those medicine ball throws were you know i doubt that they were nearly nearly as specific as what you're doing i mean just like i said just uh, before like you know for me medicine ball training was just throwing a ball against the wall until two three years ago i had really no thought of front or back foot i would have just said what i've always said because this is just what someone told me is you know just spin your back foot and push hard off your back leg and kick the cone or squish the bug <laughs> before I knew any better. And so, yeah, if you don't, well, if, they're, they're still teaching that way too. So I don't, don't feel bad. Yeah. So, I mean, just indiscriminate throwing with no, you know, with, and it's a heavier ball and there's not finer points of transfer. I can definitely see how the weightlifting group would come out ahead, but it's just like, well, just as in all the plyometric and vertical jump and weightlifting studies, the combined effort is always the best. So it's like, obviously, there's no way that specific med ball training combined with strength could be nothing but the best in our best interest for athletes. And so I think it was just really good to hear you talk about these fine points that are going to maximize the transfer. And like, yeah, if a pitcher who's supposed to angle down is throwing a med ball at like a 10 degree angle up into the wall or something, how much transfer is there? Or, you know, like it's just, yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept. Right, right. It's, it's, it's always the thing I always come back to. Uh, there was a study with, with uh, uh, Dr. Kramer about specificity of training. And, you know, hey, we measured, you know, measured three groups of people, one on the squat, one on the, uh, a, a jump test, and one on something else. And then they retested them, you know, with, within that. And, you know, they retested the squat, the vertical jump, and the bench press, I think it was the third one. And they had all three groups training those specifics. You know, and, you know, bench press, vertical jump, and squat. And you know, lo and behold, when they got done testing them, the group that trained for the vertical jump improved best in the vertical jump. They proved that they did the squat, improved that. So the specificity is is really kind of the the importance of, of all this as we go through that to really again try and blend it all together and know. You know, again, I, I think you know we have a complicated job, which most people don't realize is we have to improve strength, we have to improve power, we have to improve mobility, we got to improve you know stability or balance. When we got to improve, you know. You know more of, of of speed and agility type of thing. We got to tie it all together in, into that. So so yeah, somebody who's never trained one thing is going to help improve a lot of those things. But over time, you, you really need to blend all those together to get to, to maximize the benefits for, for each and every athlete that, that you're working with. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Oh yeah, right on. Uh, with the specificity as well. Uh, weight of the ball. So I think that's a common thing, right? Like how uh, how heavy should I be throwing? I'm sure it totally varies across the spectrum. But could you just give us some practical guidelines and insights there? Uh, yeah, I mean one of the one of the things that really that 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 I you know have come across over the last few years is this thing called the ballistic ball, in which you know it really measures you know how fast you throw it. Uh, how much force you're putting into the ball, and 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 you know how what's your power output. 
uh, that you have in there. And, and I've been, again, I've been looking at medicine balls training for years. Uh, I remember talking to a guy named George Davies, who was, who was out of uh, Augusta State for a number of years and, and did a lot of practical applications and testing on medicine balls. And there really has never been, hey, what weight should you use? You know, it's always the big question. Oh, we just pick this one up. How's it feel? You know, how's it look? You know, I think now with, with coming out with a new technology, we have ways that we can measure that uh, and, and kind of figure figure a lot of that out as to what is the best best way of training, you know, this particular person for this particular weight of, of the ball and, and kind of looking at a lot of those things. And, you know, I really think we're just scratching the surface uh, with the introduction of this ballistic ball uh, to determine a lot of those factors. But, you know, me and rough ideas, I want my speed to be around 10 meters per second you know, when I'm doing any type of any type of my movement. So, you know, that's going to vary in, in terms of in terms of my ball weight or my, or my movement patterns that we have for, for the athletes, you know, may test them with a little bit of the overload every now and then. But I'm going to come back and make sure that we are, we are getting some good foundation, you know, within our speed, uh, within our power output uh, and everything else in our force that we have there you know, with, with the ball so that, so that we can kind of start looking at some things. And, and really, it's also a great way of testing this. And as you mentioned with that study, you know, you really had no way of doing of doing what they're looking at for medicine ball throws. But now we have a way of let's test the ball throws. You know, let's test some things with, you know, a rotational throw, a shot put throw, you know, a vertical throw uh, that, that we have there that we, can, that, we can imp- that we can put in there. And then we can kind of measure the speeds and everything on a, you know, three kilogram ball or a five kilogram ball. And we can come back and measure that now we have improvement you know before it was throw a medicine ball hey how's it oh, great you threw it for you know through it 20 feet okay good but it could have been you know the worst form ever uh that you're going through there and, and doing all this now we actually work at this we improve the technique we go through this now we can actually measure the force the power output and again the the, the speeds that we have uh within the ball itself uh to kind of go through a lot of that so you know that that that's starting to turn the corner on a lot of these things from you know, technology of today uh, to really look at fine tuning a lot of the things that we're doing from what, you know, which we believe is scientific, you know, now with numbers, and we can show improvement on that. Uh, we can look at a lot of uh, validity with, with our testing uh, and, and, and really be able to, to, to pre and post test a lot of these athletes come through there. And the biggest thing is once you start showing them improvement, you know, they're really sold on the program, the training program. If you're not showing improvement, you better figure out ways you can change it. Because we got it, we have you know biggest thing for me is power and speed are two areas that the today's world of sports are not going away. Athletes are getting faster, they're getting more powerful, they're they're, they're getting everything. You know, when in the day do we ever imagine that you're going to have a you know a, a 350 pound six foot seven defensive end running a four four five forty chasing down a quarterback and, and and going through that? So and 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 we have it today. So. You know, it's one of those things that I don't. I think we're just getting going to get athletes faster and faster and faster. And you know, it's a credit to the technology and everything else that we're looking at uh, across the board. Yeah, one of the things I always have worked on with the medicine ball throws, or really anything, because I've always just been a huge quantification guy. Like, and I've, I've, my means have been with medicine balls and shot puts because I used to coach track and do. Uh, right. you know, very obviously that's that's obvious you know how far did it go uh, right. but, but in working like with swimmers we'll commonly uh, we have a wall we throw uh, up t- vertically towards that can replicate like starts or backstroke starts but it's always th- i always want to find the wall that has lines on it because i want you to know how high you threw like because otherwise right. there's there's no there's nothing for like the brain to latch onto. like like yeah. this is how high i went this is and so or there's like a railing and we'll see if we can throw it over the railing and they get all competitive but uh, and I think that's pretty that that can be somewhat straightforward for like a, just a raw distance or raw height you might be able to figure that out. But like you're saying, when it has, comes to a specific launch angle and rotation, like a rotational throw, well, shoot, the only thing that I've ever done that comes close that could measure it was like I, I my buddy Paul Cater and I occasionally would do like medicine ball throws back and forth. He he's with the Orioles, but like under a beam, like you have to throw yeah. under this and how far apart can you get? <laughs> Which is always fun. Uh, he just intuitively knows that stuff. But to be able to actually know 10 meters per second, I mean, that's like, it's like, you know, in, in Olympic lifts, like I've worked with Olympic lifts athletes for a long time. I've gotten to the point where I'm like, look, unless this bar is going this fast, the benefits you're getting from this really aren't, you know, aren't that specific to the hip extension torques that you're going to need in your sport. Like, and now you're just massaging your ego or, or you're getting really fast at dropping under the bar, which is a skill, but, and, right, and it can right. be a, a good skill if you're, if you 
can do some things correctly. But anyways, <laughs> long story short, I think that based off what you're saying with the launch angle, that does show just how important it is to get that quantification. Because yeah, like with the the ballistic ball, which I, I've never used, but it sounds how you're describing it, like it sounds like that could really dial in that specificity because otherwise you are probably just stuck saying throw under this beam and it has to go this far in this angle or right. throw through this hoop and it has to go this far, which I mean, you know, so, uh, yeah. And you want to tell me a little bit more about that too. And then like the weight of the ball, um, cause I was like, what weight does that manifest itself in like to throw 10 meters a second, just for, um, people out there, you know, it's like, is, is a four pound ball, a six pound ball, an eight pound ball. At what point does that really start dropping off for the average person to get below that threshold? Yeah, and I, I think that, I mean, that to me, that depends on training, you know, because, you know, like like anything, you want to keep progressing. So you may start an athlete off on a three kilo three kilogram ball and have them throw it, and they're getting 10 meters or maybe 12 meters per second. Now they're getting 13, and then, then you got, again, we got to, let's get the four kilogram ball, and let's try and get that, try and get those speeds up. So, again, we're, now we're progressing, you know, and we can kind of really see that progression. Now we're throwing a four kilogram ball, 10 meters per second. You know, again, then, then we go up a little bit more from there. And I, I think that's really depending upon, you know, again, just had a 11 uh, year old girl in here going through, going through some, you know, wants to be a golfer. She, she plays golf now. So, you know, throwing some medicine balls and doing some different types of things in there. She's not going to, I'm not going to have her throw a six kilo or five kilogram medicine ball. So we're going to start her off lighter. And then we may have some older, strong guys. And it just, again, it gives us a, where should we be starting, you know, with, and where's, where's our starting points of, of, of kind of going through, you know, a, a lot of the movement patterns that we have uh, to kind of see. So the good news with the ball right now is we have it, you know, I think they go down as low as two kilograms all the way up to six kilograms right now. Uh, I'm trying to convince them to kind of go a little heavier. And I think their will for the world that we're in today is where, oh, you got to go heavier. You know, everybody <laughs> thinks that the, the, more, the more weights, the better uh, within there. But we're going to have some probably some balls that are, that are going to weigh a pretty good amount and kind of cease a lot of those things. And, you know, the drop off point. And again, Joe, I, I think this is really going to look at this. You know, I don't really know if we have all the answers for this point in time, you know, I, but I think our, our questions are going to lead us to a lot of those answers that we're going to look at as to what's, what's appropriate, what should the numbers be, where, where should we be looking at for this, and how does this transfer, you know, in, in, into a lot of the different variables that we have. You know, is this right to help improve club head speed or bat speed or racket speed or however we're measuring it or serve velocity, you know, all those types of things. And I think the more we can kind of test it research it uh, validate it you know i think it's going to give us a lot more of those answers i, I really think we're on the cusp of, of figuring a lot of those things out yeah yeah no doubt I, and that probably gives too you know you think about like yeah a young athlete who we're learning skills right like and i i say this with olympic lists because i think it's you know velocity-based training a lot of people yeah. are familiar but to me, a, a 2.5 meter per second clean is a different skill fundamentally than a 1.7. Like it's, they are different, they're different skills. And so I yeah. imagine the same vein, you know, throwing a medicine ball five meters per second is a very different skill. And if you, especially if you looked at how the body summated forces through the back and the front leg to get to the speed, it's probably going to quantitatively show up differently. And so, um, yeah, I, I just think that, uh, it's, definitely a really cool way of looking at training i know too the ceiling the ceiling drill we pulled it off in my buddy's basement because it was a garage it was a parking garage and there was nothing to break <laughs> but when you uh obviously if you're in a nice facility to say throw under this like light or something like and throw it as far right. as you can eventually you're going to get into trouble uh so uh <laughs> yeah that's that's really uh so what what's like good like i mean this is like the the most general question in the whole world but i'm just like i like to i don't know sometimes i like to have really complex polarizing you know questions that polarize the field but this is just a meathead question for like what would a good weight to be able to throw t if you could throw say four or five kilos at 10 meters a second is that like a, a good like level like you're you're doing really well for yourself yeah if you can yes if you can throw that five kilo kilogram ball at 10 meters per second i think you're doing really good you know you're creating a pretty good amount of, of speed with that you got a pretty good force output uh and you really you got really good body control um going through there so you should have pretty good use the term that the catchphrase term kinematic sequence uh that's working in there uh and i always look at the to really know that if it's right is if the ball flies like a knuckleball and it's not getting a lot of rotation so if you have a ball that rotates a lot your speed's going to be up there because again that's how we're measuring it but if you're throwing a knuckleball and it's got you got 10 meters per second speed that's pretty good 
uh, to go through that. Because, again, if you're throwing a ball and it's rotating at a, at a pretty good clip, there's something going on with your hands, your chest is stopping, you're just kind of flipping that ball around uh, and kind of going through with a lot of spin uh, on the ball, uh, which might be good from a pitcher's spin rate. But uh, from from throwing a, throwing a medicine ball, you, again, you, I always say you want to throw like a knuckleball. And if you can throw it, you know, 10 meters per second to five kilos, you're, you're, you're doing yourself pretty good. Yeah, that's that's a cool thing you mentioned because I do I've noticed that, but I've never put I think too much thought into it. But maybe it's because I don't measure speeds, right? Like because it until you start measuring things, like what's measured gets managed. And so like because I've seen the ball spin out awkwardly sometimes, but I I mean was it faster? Was it slower? Like you know like uh, and so I went and and then yeah, how did that? How did you arrive at a clean release, like that clean knuckleball release where the hands could release at the same time? You know, did your legs work correctly? I, I, one thing I, I that is interesting to me, and I've thought about this too, is when as soon as you can put a number on something, it probably could change the amount of coaching you might like need to do in the sense of like if an athlete, if all of a sudden the number is the output or you have a number to shoot for, the, the mechanics probably have a better chance of falling together by themselves in many cases. Like, would you agree with that? Yeah, yes, very much so. And I, I mean, I, again, I think that's a lot to do with, you know, again, I look at, you know, we just kind of m- mentioned something briefly in terms of the spinning of the ball. And, and, and that's something that, you know, there's mechanically, there's something wrong. So to me, I always go back to, well, the ball is probably too heavy for them. And they're really trying to muscle it more than they are trying to fluidly throw it uh, and kind of allow the body to get to work it. And again, it's that, it's that ego that we have is that I want to try and make as heavy as possible. I want to give, give me the 30. 30 pound ball as opposed to 10 pound ball and i want to throw it against the wall as hard as i can well if you can do that great but most of the time most people aren't able to do that so you know i think that's kind of where we need to kind of look at and 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 kind of put a lot of the things into perspective as to what what what's the finer points of of this and how do we and again putting numbers on that you know equating it to certain things uh is going to help us with a lot of that you know a lot of the rotational areas and a lot of this a lot of the movement patterns that, that we're creating with the body yeah I, I can see that like in my mind i almost can see it like the the ball would be less likely to spin probably if you get a good front foot action like if the front foot acts is a good break then the timing's there everything's together the hands can release at the same time whereas if it's just like a, a squish the bug push completely like there's no timer in the front <laughs> i keep going back to it right because it's right. easy to make fun uh, <laughs> i just lost a lot of people on this show a lot of people just thought this is um but uh it, it seems like yeah like the 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 spin if it spins and some something in the timing was off and that probably would be the front leg i would imagine yeah it's either i mean i can go through a couple things but it's either that or the the torso stopped rotating and the arms just kind of take take over the motion nine times out of ten uh it's more the arms kind of take over the motion and you just kind of throw it or they throw it primarily with their dominant hand uh so if you're a right-handed player and you're throwing the ball right to left a lot of times that right hand once they release the ball the right hand will pass the left hand believe it or not so the left hand kind of stays through and the right hand keeps going they're trying to throw it a lot more with that right arm, which creates a lot more of the spin, throws it a little bit more, called off center, uh, and, and, and working a lot of that. So, you know, a lot of times what I'll just kind of tell people is when they're throwing it is almost feel like if I'm throwing it right to left, is that left hand is going to smack, you know, the wall behind you so that you're really opening up that, opening up that top hand and it gets the body to release a little bit easier. Uh, and, and a little bit more fluid and they can understand that as you know opposed to kind of like you know throw throw with both hands I always just kind of talk about the front hand and almost like say you know if I'm standing behind them I'll say smack me in the face you know with 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 your left hand you know and that helps them to kind of get that again that torso to rotate a little bit more fluidly and allows the ball to almost travel with more of that knuckleball type pattern as opposed to a lot of spinning spinning motion cool Good stuff, David. Um, last, this is just a quick question, just because I touched on it a few times, and I'm curious: is with the back leg, do you? So with with, I mean, a lot of people would say, yeah, like spin the back foot to push. Like, do you just kind of find if you just tra- learn to transfer your weight, just things happen automatically, or how do you approach the back leg in medicine ball throwing? You know, a, a, a couple of different ways. One is I actually uh, go into more of a called a quarter squat position where I want them to feel because one, they have to load on that backside. You can't unload something if you haven't loaded it already. So whether it's baseball, whether it's golf, whether it's tennis, whether, you know, you go, again, go down the line, you need to load up that backside. So I almost get to the point where they're standing on that back leg to feel it, kind of rotate the body over that. So we're kind of like, I'll call it, I call it a single leg quarter squat with 
torso rotation. So we're going to stand on my right leg. I'm going to rotate my torso to the right. And then I'm going to place the ball in my hands. And then I'm going to kind of start the motion with my with my right leg. And then kind of, you know, then we look at the baseball swing where I'm going to plant my left foot down and I'm going to finish the motion. So we got to get them to kind of feel like they're on their right leg. They're loaded on that right leg. They're going to give me a little bit of a push to the left. Then we're going to plant that left foot down and then we're going to rotate through. So, you know, we still want to get them kind of that feeling on that. And again, the release point, you tell a baseball player to throw it higher or give me a, like a well, technical terms, a 45 degree launch angle, whether we're throwing shot foot throw, rotational throw, discus throw, whatever, they're going to have a tendency to came, come back and, and almost be on that back leg because their body's going to be leaned a little bit more on that backside which is kind of what you what you, what you the feeling that you're going to have from that launch angle or weight kind of, I don't want to say staying back but head kind of staying in place and kind of staying in the back position even though we have a little bit of that initial transfer from that from that back leg with golf I'm going to say keep going forward it's almost like I told I called the Gary player drill all the time when Gary player would swing and hit balls he would hit the ball and they would just continue and walk down the fairway <laughs> so when people golfers kind of understand that motion where now we're going to load up that backside we're going to push to my left. I'm going to stand up through my left leg, and I'm going to carry my right foot forward. And I'm going to walk to the wall, you know, and that kind of gets them into that feeling of where we're, we're having that, that, that push motion. And, again, a lot of it depends on from there is they're still having problems with loading up that backside. I'm going to stay on that right leg. I may not even plant my left foot down, you know, and go through that movement. So I may stay on that right leg. I might have them push off that right leg, and then I may have them almost feel like they're jumping and landing on that right leg. And, you know, the, the, the connection from there, maybe it's a, I call it a resisted lateral bound, where it's a skater drill, as people like to refer to it as, where I'm going to put a, you know, almost have them jump off their right leg, land on their right leg without even worrying about a throw, and then kind of get that sequence where they're feeling themselves kind of pushing and having to jump off that off that right side and, and going through that motion. So, you know, that that's, and again, and then come back to maybe do the medicine ball drill again, come back to that single leg, uh, leg jump again, go back to the medicine ball throw and really kind of figure out ways to tie those patterns back together so they can again kind of make up that, get that motor pattern working in their mind so they can again kind of kind of transfer it to their sport. Awesome. I love that. That's, a, <clears throat> that's just really good info. I, I was actually thinking, I, I was kind of a, back in my early 20s i played a lot of disc golf and like the it's funny there is similarities like i would always fit the best throws you just kind of went walked forward almost off of your throw a little bit like you kept that momentum right. going gary player i love it man well hey i think that's about all the time i had for the show today with the questions david love your answers man again rotation swinging and hitting and it's just i think an, an under uh, talked about i mean everyone wants to talk about sprinting right and jumping but I, I think what you're doing is cutting edge man and thank you so much for your time and answers today i really appreciated it uh, uh thank you joel really appreciate it. Had a great time That wraps up episode 123. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Can't thank you guys enough for being part of this ongoing series. And I just love exploring all the corners of our field. It's just so fun and so rewarding to me. And I hope it is to you as well. You may have heard David talk about the uh, ballistic ball. So measuring medicine ball velocity, you're trying to make sure you get that 10 meter per second uh, threshold check mark as you progress in that swinging action and how to quantify it. Uh, so just realize simplyfaster.com, our sponsor, has that in their store. They're a great company, amazing customer service, and bringing you guys the best of in each category of sports technology. Also, if you have the time, one last thing, don't hesitate. Please leave us a rating or review if you like what we're doing. We totally appreciate it and helping uh, get the message out to other aspiring coaches, trainers, and athletes and parents who just want to learn more and get a little better every day. We'll see you guys next week.